0: Thank you for letting me. Un- my name is Jack, and I am an alcoholic. Um, I, I'm privileged to be here today. I thank you. Um, I see that my sponsor's here today too, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, Jack, alcoholic, October fourth, two thousand five, is my sobriety date. I have a sponsor. He's walking on the somewhere in Maui. So we're all going to get to visit Maui today. Um, I have sponsees, I have grand sponsees. Um, I actually went on with, uh, I was talked to, to one of my sponsors today and got her into the ninth step, which is just a huge thing. I always loved doing that. And um, my story starts many, many years ago, when I was in my 20s, I I decided kind of on a whim, based on a, a choice. I, I, I'm an actor, and I, I was doing a play, and the guy was an alcoholic and so um, that had stopped. And I thought, well, I'll stop drinking for the night just to see how it is. And everybody at the bar was so outraged. They tried to buy me anything. I mean, we didn't know what the top shelf was, but they were trying to buy it for me. And that really disturbed me. Something happened to me, and I just stopped drinking and to give you some more background, my father was an alcoholic, who was in the rooms for the last fifteen years of his life, but who wants to be like their father, right? Um, and my grandfather, who I never met, died of this as well. But uh, so I stopped on my own. The book is very clear; you can do that. Now twenty-five stopped, was sober for twenty-five years, and then everything went to hell in four years, and that's sort of my kind of encapsulated thing. I. Drank off and on in my 30s, but basically had another five five years over then. But when I was in my 40s, I started drinking, and I couldn't stop. It's a progressive disease. And I want you to know if you're a newcomer, no matter what your age is, um, it gets worse uh, as time goes on. Uh, It's just one of the – there are many diseases like that, by the way, not just SARS. So I went to a therapist because I'd gone to uh, this type of therapist to stop smoking. She happened to be a hypnotist. Now, this is a guy whose father was in AA, had sponsees, made amends to me. I knew about the program, but I didn't know anything about the program. I I saw the shades in the room when my dad spoke. That's all I got. I never got the God part. I certainly didn't want the God part. There may be people in here now that came in the rooms or are coming in now that are like just anything but that, right? I'll do everything else. But I can tell you that as I work this program, as I've gone through the steps, as I've taken others to the steps, that spiritual growth inside me has become more than I ever thought possible. All my life, I wanted something more than what I had. It wasn't just money and fame or any of that. I just wanted to feel something because it's like my gears weren't meshing. And I went to this therapist uh, who, at the door, when I was, you know, she said, you know, what I, Mike, the way I do things is you write your check, you put it here, we go and do a 45-minute session. But before she let me sit down, she said, I'll work with you, but you have to go to AA. And was like, inside is like, what the, what, what are you talking about? And so I was an alcoholic, and I lied to her. I said, sure, I'll go. And I didn't. And if you ever worked with anyone, um, you can smell their BES over Zoom. You know, I'm from Indiana. I know what BS smells like. And they spread it all over the fields. And I, I this woman smelled it, and she, after two weeks, said, "You haven't gone to AA or have you?" And I said, "No." I was literally getting in a cab. It was probably more than two uh, um, weeks. Probably six weeks because. By the second week, I was getting in the cab and, and drinking on the way home after giving her over $100 for therapy. Anyway, I was I had to admit to myself I was an alcoholic, and my life had become unmanageable. I had lost my best friend, who was my wife, uh, my two beautiful young sons, the house, the car, the dog, tire entire spring. I lost everything, and and I had to come to believe that, and when she said that there was a meeting around the corner, I I finally told her the truth and said, I'd go. And it was a book study. Now, is it odd or is it God? But I went to a solution based because I had gone to other meetings with my dad. And then I tried one maybe nine months prior and I heard better ways of drinking and I heard pain and sorrow. And I had all that stuff. I didn't want everybody else's pain because I was selfish and self-centered, but I heard hope that night. And I heard a young woman from England speak, interestingly enough. She was like an angel and she's, it was the beginning of the book. i never, as you know, they're right from the title page, there were promises. And I heard some promises and it kept me sober for a week. And I went back to that meeting and I was given a book, which I promptly forgot and left behind because our subconscious is like always kind of, you know, you gotta watch out. And, the guy who was facilitating you know, a man named Damon, called me because he got my number, like all good uh, future sponsors do. And he says, I got your book. You want to come back and get it? And I did. And I asked him to sponsor their, me on the spot. And it was going very well until I got into the four step, Because then I had to face me. I was learning all sorts of cool things about AA. And that was great. But then there's this big mirror that's held up in front of me. And uh, luckily, I was working for, I was a personal assistant at that point, and I was working for a very wealthy man who went to Palm Beach every year. And I just said, bye, Damon. And he was, I could see it in his face. You know, resentment is funny. And I'm sure you all heard this before. Resentments are like peeing your pants. Everybody can see it. But only you have that nice, warm feeling, right? And I, I had so many resentments. And one of them was against this guy that was going to make me go through the force stuff. And I went down to Florida. I met a guy who said he'd be my ultra you know, kind of standby sponsor. And uh, and he said, read the book. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been reading the book. There's great stories. He said, Jack, you hear a story every time you go to a meeting. Read the first 164 pages. And that's where the solution is found. And I I had gone through uh the second step because damon was very he he was very kid gloves with me i was pretty much a mess i came in shaking not like some of my friends i have friends and sponsors grand who were literally shaking when they came to the rooms, but i was shaking inside with fear and self loathing and all the rest of it that we bring in the meetings and sit at the rear so we can get out of the door fast but i had i had been willing to be willing to have something greater than myself guide me because I knew that, I knew for a fact that I wasn't, God, I, I had, I mean, I was such a mess. I knew there had to be something more powerful. And then one evening, um, I kind of skipped to the fourth step real quick, but one evening in this, in my living room here, David says, well, we're at the third step. So get on your knees. And I thought this guy was out of his mind. I hadn't been on my knees since I was five or six. Saying now I lay me down to sleep. And and he's he read the third step prayer. And there was something about that prayer that that hit me, you know, it really meant something to me to give my will and my life over to the care of something else I needed to be cared for, that's for sure. When I got back to New York. I tried another sponsor because I didn't want somebody so tough. <laughs> you know what was tough? That Damon was reading every word of the book. You know that was the toughest thing, and then I had to face the fourth step. But I went back to Damon, begged him to take me on as a sponsor, finished my fourth step, not in an efficient way because I, I'll tell you, if you haven't done it before, it's easy. Who did it? What they did, and how it made you feel. The first three columns are. It's just a list, you make a list of resentments and you do those things. I woke up every morning thinking who did it, what they did and how it made me feel, right? And then setting aside all that and just cleaning up our side of the street, I I did my fourth column. And um, it was enlightening to me. I just had no idea. And when I went through it the second time, um, well and then uh, you know i did fears and uh, uh, harms without resentments and i did the sex list inventory and it just it just came it just started flowing out of me and then i did the fifth step and i don't remember much about my first fifth step because i don't think i was that thorough but i did i do remember the hour afterwards that we take to reflect on the first five steps and i took it in this tiny little park out by where he lived. And he lived in this kind of weird area, kind of industrial uh, area of, um, of Brooklyn. that was kind of scary to walk through at night because uh, I didn't have anybody else walking with me at that point, um, and now I do. <clears throat> but he told me about this park, this little triangle park over by his house. And right in the center of this kind of low down place in Brooklyn, this beautiful little park and it was the spring and I sat there for an hour reflecting everything and I I can tell you without hesitation the desire to drink was completely lifted at that point it may have been already uh, I'm not sure but I just felt something move inside me Uh, I'm not doing that to the screen whatever's happening (laughs) forgive me Uh, but When I went through the fifth step the second time with Jeremy, my second sponsor, um, he had me list all the defects, and it was kind of like a no-brainer. You can't do six and seven or two paragraphs, right? But they're huge steps, really. I mean, for somebody who's played God all his life, uh, they were enormous, and he had me list my defects. With every person, you know, institution, principle, and <clears throat> when I was done, I had this enormous list of character defects, and believe it or not, playing God was the biggest one. <laughs> I was always playing God, and because I had this list of defects, I had some I had solid ground to stand on when I did six, and. Then the prayer, doing the seven-step prayer, was so much more meaningful, which I pray every night, by the way. Um, and I, I, I didn't know what I was doing in the beginning. I, I was over like next to my bed, like I was when I was a kid doing the third-step prayer. But now I pray it in a much more meaningful way. I have a prayer, cap, a little prayer carpet that I use. I, I know I'm kind of going through this quickly because I have a lot of time. But there's so many people on here. And I so want to hear your stories and, and, and reflections of, of you as well. But the first six, seven steps set us in a place where that we can make another list. And, you know, I've, there's this semi-popular thing in some meetings around the country where people's, <clears throat> I don't know where they get these things, like, the one thing that baffles me more is you need a year of sobriety to sponsor people. It's like, wait a minute, Bill had six weeks or six months, and and and, uh, and Bob had three weeks, I think, before he sponsored his first person. As my sponsors have told me, and I've seen literally with my own eyes, there are people dying out there, and you you waiting to do your steps or waiting to sponsor feeling, you know, getting in the right mood, whatever the excuses are means that there's somebody might, somebody might die out there. That's being, and we know from the book that we're selfish and self-centered and how do we get out of that? By helping others. It's that simple. So when I got to my eighth step and I had to make my list, Oh, the the thing I was going to say, the popular, the other popular thing around it in some meetings is to burn your fourth list. It's like, What? It literally says in the book, going back to our list. It doesn't say going back to a pile of ashes. So we go back to that list and we make another list. You know, I mean, we go back to our fourth step and we make another list. And I was I was doing the eight step with one of my guys, as I call them. But this happened to be a, a young woman. And um, she'll thank me for saying young woman, but she's at least 26 years younger than me. Um, and um, and I, I, I love her story. I hope that she shares some of it tonight. Um, but eight is not, eight is easier. It's so much easier doing, than doing your four-step list. But it means we have to face, we have to go back and face all those things again. But it's just a list, you know? And we put willing, um, not ready because you're, you're not willing, but not ready because, you know, we're not physically able to get to them. And, um, and I'll never forget when I did my first <clears throat> amends, I was so proud of, it. I was at a place called the mustard seed, which was, this kind of dingy. It's, it's, it's not, I shouldn't say dingy. It's a basement, um, um, you know, sober kind of meeting place. and. Um, it's it's one of the rooms that always open all day in New York, which is a rare thing. <clears throat> but and the mustard seed is it's when I went in there it was kind of like oh this is a yeah okay fine, but then it got to be this place of comfort, this this place of spiritual enlightenment because there are two women, uh, they're both named Donna. We called her called them the Donnas. They did a book study there. I'll never forget them. I mean they're still. Here in New York, and I, I occasionally might bump into them at a big meeting. But at one of those meetings, I was sitting in the back, like you know everybody does in the beginning. But it was—it's a small room, so it was like only eight rows or something. And I was sitting there and because you're below ground. The there's really no light. There's light that comes in, but not direct sunlight, right? <clears throat> but their cars parked, you know, everywhere in New York City. And at one moment in that meeting. An A meeting. I can't remember when it was. The light hit a rearview mirror, or maybe it was a window, but it's probably a rearview mirror because it was like a a pin spot, right? Right on the word care. And I never, I'd always given my will in my life over to God as I understood Him. I forgot the word care, and it just, it was like, you know again, one of those godly moments, I, I call it spirit of the universe shining on me at that point. And it made me understand that there was something out there that wanted to care for me. There were many things, you know, my parents cared for me. Uh, <clears throat> and my my twin sister, <laughs> I'll go back to, the, to the, the, the subway stop on the Upper East Side when we were going to the four-step, Damon said, you know, this, you're doing this so you can make the eight-step and nine-step amends. And I, I'll never make an amends to my twin sister, Jill. I mean, think of it. I had a resentment towards my sister since I understood the nursery rhyme, right? It was kind of like, why why did she have to be called this? And she she was always mean to me. She was always bigger than me until high school. So she beat the bejesus, pardon me. She beat the, the heck out of me, you know, and until I was in high school. And then I couldn't beat her back because, she, you know, by that time, you don't hit your sister, right? She and I are so close now. Almost a day doesn't go by when she doesn't Marco Polo me from from Paris or I, you know, I send a Marco Polo back, which is this kind of video app that we do. And I also said, I'm I'm not going to make amends to my ex-wife because she took everything from me, right? And when I got there to the ninth step, I couldn't wait to make amends to those two people that I swore I would never make amends to. And in the book, it tells us how we react changes. It says that nine times in the book, right? And take action is another part. But how I reacted to how I change and, how, and, and people saw how I reacted, all of a sudden people were changing around me. Jill, who always said nasty things to me, just because it's the way we treated each other, right? Stop doing that completely. Now she sends love letters to me. is so sweet. My sister and I are very close, and my former wife and I we don't talk, but we do send out. Um, I, I'm on a grand jury in, in uh, New York City, which means I'm like trapped in a courtroom for four weeks because <laughs> we make these big decisions on who you know has has to go to trial, and and she sent me this lovely little message saying, Oh, I heard you're on the grand jury. I I bet you're the foreperson foreman. is what she said. And I texted back, LOL. Yeah, I am the foreperson. Um, And uh, it's not that much more responsibility, but it's something that I'm doing civic action too. You know, before I try, I do anything to get out of jury duty. It's like, Oh my God, you know, and that was back when I had to maybe sit for three days on a trial. And my God has a sense of humor, right? I was willing this time. I went in there willing and had no idea that I was going into the grand jury. And they picked 26 people out of a couple hundred. And, you know, I haven't won many lotteries in my life. I won the Vietnam lottery. I didn't have to go to Vietnam. But I won this lottery. I'm grateful for it because I'm actually doing something. Anyway, as you can tell, I'm kind of a shaggy dog um, speaker. but it, she she texted me how you know how pleased she was that I was doing this, and then I remembered her. Uh, it, I, it was instigated because it was the the uh, her father's birthday, and I sent her a you know a thinking of your father uh, message to her. Anyway, <clears throat> so I did my eight step list, and I started doing amends, and I can't. I'm not. As good as, as my first sponsor, well, my, both my sponsors are really good at remembering line for line the book. But it'll be amazed. You'll be amazed before you're halfway through is part of the Ninth set, Promises, right? And I was. And the reactions of what I got from people, mainly it, it wasn't just the words I was saying. It was how I was saying it. Because I was a smartass all my life if i could throw it a zinger cuz i was always small i mean I'm not physically uh, my height isn't but i was always skinny and and you know i'd get out of get away from the bullies by saying something smart ass and make them laugh <clears throat> but those days have to be behind me now they are um, every so often something will come out of my mouth and it's like where did that come from oh that's the old jack i remember him and that's why we we work towards progress not perfection we are human beings are we ever going to be perfect god i hope not i hope i keep growing and that's what i what happens after i do the ninth step because um then halfway through is what my sponsor said you're you're ready to start sponsoring and it's i'm not going to get the sponsorship yet because that's that's the big one i I will tell you without hesitation again, that the first 11 steps are there for the 12th step. Now, if you're a newcomer like me and thought, I mean, when my sponsor, and from the first day, and I do this with all my sponsees, from the first day, my, my sponsor said, I'm doing this so you can go out and help others. And I, I literally looked at this guy and I wanted to say, you see what I'm wearing? I'm wearing loafers. I can't even tie my shoes emotionally. And you're expecting me to go out and help people. Well, who I was, you know, and and that's when I, I I stopped myself from finishing that story, who I was when I was in that subway stop. And I said, I wasn't going to make an amends to these people. My first sponsor said who you are now is not who you're going to be after you've done four and five, certainly not after you've done six and seven. So you don't, you know, the reason the steps are in the way, you know, in the progression they're in is that we don't have to worry about that. If you're a newcomer, the last thing in your mind should be thinking about making amends at this point. I mean, eventually, if, you know, and if you try not to harm anyone in your day-to-day progress, but but do the steps in order, you know? And I will have people read ahead to the ninth step promises. And I will have people, um, my guys, if they're really marching through that, I say you know read 9 I, I this is what I do and it's 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 what it says in the book right I when I go to sleep at night I read the 11th step and when we retire and when I wake up the book is right there ready for on awakening I read that before I get out of my bed right And I pop right down on the, on the carpet and and do my prayers and then <clears throat> I make my, my breakfast and, and during my breakfast, I read the ninth step promises and the 10th step every single day I can. And when I forget it, I can tell because my day is not meshing. When I read the 10th step, my day, it, it, the rest of the day seems to go so much better because it tells us, it, it guides us, right? And this whole thing is, as I say to my sponsees, I am, I am just a guide, right? I'm guiding you through 164 pages that were written down about 85 years ago through, I think, divine inspiration. There's one thing that, like a tiny itsy-bitsy mistake, and it wasn't a mistake because that was Bill's understanding, but he calls, he uses the word chemist, and it, it should be, you know, a more fancier scientific name, which I won't get into, a physicist, basically. But everything else in that book is, is like, and even that is fine. Who cares, right? We nobody's getting at. But everything in that book, and I, I heard a speaker tape, and she was not an alcoholic. I was doing something. Uh, I was asked to speak way the – New York's pretty big, and you can go way out in Brooklyn, and it takes a long time. My sponsor took me um, to – to a, uh, a famous beach an amusement area and it took forever to get there but it was so worth it it was just like this meeting i went out there it was it was a bunch of irish uh men and women and and there's there's small communities still in new york that remain kind of steadfastly you know irish or rican or, or haitian whatever it is and i was so pleased to go out there and speak because You know, they're not. They weren't used to having somebody come in talk about the book. And the second thing is, on the way back, it was a long drive, and the lady put in a tape, and it was the secretary who wrote down Bill's words as he walked around the tiny office in New York City. You know, and it's it's not like Bill was typing away. I don't think it. It sounds like he dictated a lot of the book, and for these things to come out is it's, it's like when I'm working with a sponsee and something comes out and it's like I've never heard or said that before but that was just the right thing to say at that moment um, based on again the reaction uh, that I get from my sponsee as well hopefully it's all good I've said in the beginning I was really full of fear sponsoring and so I kind of was kind of getting off course, but the nice thing is, is that we have this book that keeps us right on course, right? So I started making my amends. I was amazed. The reactions I was getting were not what I expected. Nobody threw me out of their office, like the book says. There may have been one person that might've thrown me out out of their office, but I kept that card in my book and I said, I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it. She's literally, It was literally, I live at uh, ninth between 50 and 51st. You cross, you walk across 51st and between. Um, uh, eighth and seventh Broadway comes angling down and that's where her office was. And I, and I kept saying, I'll make that amends. I'll make that amends. I never made that amends and she died. And you don't put off amends. You don't stick them in your book saying I'm going to get to them later. That was the only one I did do, and I, I still feel a, a certain amount of regret about that today. I really feel a lot of regret, uh, but I, we we don't live in regret and remorse. And the book tells us that as well. So, the tenth step was opened up to me, and I'm I'm talking in the last since COVID, really. I I know. That my my current sponsor told me about it, but I wasn't really paying enough attention. And now I I'm the only religious thing about me, I should say, is doing the ninth and tenth step and working with others, I can tell you. That I, makes my it makes my day. It changes my day. When my my first sponsee, and I didn't know what I was doing, my first sponsee, but Jose he still contacted me uh, I think about two months ago. But he was in and out of prison, and when I met him, he was 21, and now he's 35, and he still hasn't gotten through the steps. But in the first year, when I didn't know what I was doing, but I didn't have very many other sponsees, the phone would go off, and it would be a collect call from prison, and it was like Christmas morning, right? I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting into sponsorship, but it's all, that's, my, that's the step that I, I love being in on a day-to-day basis. But the 11th step is, I mean, it's a prayer to me. That's, that's, that's how it is. Uh, when I read that at night, is a part of my meditation and prayer process. And I have to reflect on my day. And I have to write when, when things have gone askew. Um, luckily, I live on the fifth floor. <clears throat> and i would talk about resentments. I live on the top floor of this building, right? And the other day, I was, uh, because I'm in grand jury, I didn't have time to go out and shop, so I had whole food sliver. And they always bring it right to my door, and they didn't this time. And instead of going those, "Mm -hmm," I just tried to figure out how I can contact. It took me 24 hours to contact them. And they took them, you know, they gave me a, a bag of walnuts for free, which, oddly enough, God has a sense of humor, I'd given a bag of walnuts and some other food to one of my grand sponsors last week. Now, is that odd? Or maybe a little bit of a wink and nudge from my higher power. So I am at the 12th step. I still have a few minutes left. <clears throat> and I can tell you that both of my sponsors were very serious about me sponsoring and i didn't really think i was capable i my, my degree is in communications i talk for a living and yet i didn't raise my hand in a meeting for the first three months and then i didn't raise my hand again until i was basically six months in palm beach and they didn't they did i, I told them it was, you know at the beginning of the meeting any any anniversary. Yeah, I got six months. Yay. They're going to call on me. It was a big meeting of like 100 people in Palm Beach, Florida. And they didn't call on me. It was like, how dare you? You know who they called on? They called on a young lady that had invited me to the only meeting I could make because this guy owned me. I got Wednesday night off and I went to a young people's meeting. I said, I'm not a young person. They said, young at heart, have a seat. <clears throat> and this woman ran this meeting. She was in her 20s and she raised her hand that night <clears throat> and said, I have three days back. And she was the person that God wanted to have speak that night. Because within that room were her sponsees that had already been set, told about it. But she was able to talk. Sorry, I got um, dry mouth because of a condition I have. But <clears throat> she was able to tell the newcomer and those that had been around for a while that it is a nefarious disease. And it's, it's not used in the book, but it's a disease that will sneak up on you. Bill Bill went in to, you know, make a phone call and he's pounding on the bar. And that's that's what happened to this young woman. She went to a party, a, you know, office party after the meeting. And all of a sudden she had a drink in her hand. And my sponsor uh, and... Please, please tell me if I'm misquoting you, Jeremy. But whenever I tell, let him know that somebody's gone out. You know, a friend of ours or whatever. The first thing he asks is how many people were, not how many sponsees did he have. How many people was he working with? It's not the number of sponsees you have. It's the people you're. It's the the, the, the sponsees you're working with, right? And it says in the beginning of working with others, it's it's kind of. Again, I wish I could quote the book better, but it's the way to mm, Jeremy, help me out. It's it's the way that we that we almost guaranteed not to drink, right? I don't use the word guarantee, but it's the way that we have to stay sober because we're working with others. We're not thinking about ourselves. And I will tell you that he has told me that the days that he usually doesn't have to write, you know, um, some inventory at the end of the night is when he's done like he did with me. He did 11-hour marathon fifth step at none other than Whole Foods. It's coming up again. Uh, there's one down in Canal, or, um, Chambers, I think, and they have um, stadium seating. And we sat there and then we got a table and we stayed there all day. And um, that is the type of person that I wanted to be. And so I started sponsoring and I'll, I'll leave you with a couple of things that he says, um, that he's taught me. The, the one thing is really essential. When you come into these rooms, you're, you're, you're like me, you're, you're lost, things aren't meshing. You're full of resentments and fears. And selfish and self-centered. But at some point, you take someone's hand, and they start walking you up the steps, step by step, into the sunlight of the spirit. But at some point, you need to reach back down and grab someone's hand and help them come along that same path up to where they can reach back down. And that's how this has worked. For better part of a century, right? We got like almost ninety years, I think, with this program. And, and think about it: down through the ages, as as long ago, and they they wrote about the Greeks wrote about you know Dionysus, whoever the god of wine is. I don't know. My sister is my older sister, literally has a PhD in ancient Greek and Latin. She'd be horrified I didn't know this, but they've been writing about alcohol, and then there were. Throughout the, the, the Middle Ages and into our century, there was always town drunks, wherever you went, right? Not everywhere in the world, but one of my sponsees comes from a culture where there's not a lot of drinking, and yet he was, he's an alcoholic. And it's important to remember that about 18%, 20% of us are like that, and the others don't understand us, but that's fine because we'll eventually make amends to them, right? So with that, I'm going to stop. Um, I don't know if I got a notification from anybody. No, good. Um, And I would love to hear what you have to say. And God bless you all for listening. Thank you.